to bless them in a special way. We know you're aware of their needs, and we ask you, if it be according to our will, that I would grant them the things they need. <coughs> Father, we're so thankful for the word that we have, that we can study and learn more about your great will for us and your love that you have for us. And Father, as we try each day to live according to that will, we pray that we'll draw closer to you and that you'll draw closer to us. Until one day, Father, we can meet you in there and go to heaven with you and forever be with you. Forgive us any sin that's in our lives that might harm that relationship with you so that we might be holy and walk holy in your sight. We're so thankful for Jesus for making all this possible. And it's in his name we pray. Amen. Before our lesson, let's stand and sing, Faith is the Victory. Again, if you're able, let's stand together. Encamped along the hills of light, ye Christian soldiers rise and press the battle there. The night shall veil the glowing skies against the foe in veils below. Let all our strength be held. Faith is the victory we know that overcomes the world. Faith is the victory. Faith is a victory, oh glorious victory that overcomes the world. His banner over us is love, our sword, the word of God. We tread the road, the saints abode, with shouts of triumph trod. By faith they like a whirlwind sweat. Every field, the faith by which we conquer death, is still our shining shield. Faith is the victory, faith is the victory, oh glorious victory that overcomes the world. Can we see it in? If you have your Bibles with you, open up to Romans chapter 8. We have been in Romans chapter 8 for the last two, two Sunday evenings, really. And, and the truth is, Romans chapter 8 is so deep, we could probably stay here for the next month. Uh, I mean, it's just one of the richest chapters, in, in my opinion, in all of the New Testament. There is so much there. I also know that we've talked about it a lot, and I also know that, that it's kind of nasty outside, people are uncomfortable about what's going to be going on and whatnot, and so I want us just to get the gist. I want us to get the conclusion of, of chapter 8, and we'll start in, in about verse 26, if you want to put your, put your eyes there. You know, one of my favorite descriptions of the book of Romans is when people talk about the gospel of Romans. And, and I don't necessarily think that, that Romans is classically considered one of the gospels, but they talk about it in that way because it's a book of tremendously great news. Of, of this, this revelation of this is the relationship that we have with God. 
And he's talked about sin and sin's impact on us. But he's done that to talk about now we have this amazing relationship. A relationship that, that, that's not cut short by my sin or my shortcomings, but a relationship rather that's based upon faith and it's based upon grace. Not to wink at sin, he talks about there in, in chapter 6, but, but, but a relationship. A relationship with Jesus Christ where we will have victory. And that really comes to this culmination. And in, in, in a lot of my thinking, a great part of the climax of the book is here in chapter 8 where he's simply taking a moment to say, think about your life. And think about your relationship with Jesus and with God. And in verse 26 and 27, he, he reminds us, listen, you're not alone. You're not alone. I think something that threatens our faith as much as anything else, at least in my life, has been the feeling that I'm all alone. When, when something upsets you or when, or when you're bothered by something, do you ever feel that way? You know, I've had experiences, and probably most of you have too, where you can come, you could come and we had 600 people in here, in, the, in this room, and you could feel all alone. Felt that way before? I'm the only one who's out there. I'm the only one who understands that. And he says, I want you to know that even if you're in a closet by yourself and you haven't talked to someone in two months, you're not alone. We have the very Spirit of God. In the same way, he says, the Spirit, just like the Father helps, in the same way the Spirit helps our weaknesses. For we do not know how to pray as we should, but the Spirit Himself intercedes, intercedes for us with groanings that are too deep for words. And He searches the hearts. He who searches the hearts knows what the mind of the Spirit is because He intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. You ever been in that point where you knew you needed to pray and you wanted to pray, but you just, no words came out? Not even a thought came out. If you've been there, this has meaning. I've been there. I don't, I don't like being there. Nobody likes being there. But do you realize, I'm praying. Some of the most passionate prayers that I've ever prayed didn't have one single word, either from my mouth or from my mind, besides help. Help. I'm not alone. The Spirit is there. And God is in control. Our faith is threatened so much when we lose sight of that. God is in control. In our Bible class this morning, we talked about the importance of trusting God. Trusting our Heavenly Father. He says, trust me. Because I'm in control. I'm not just in control on the good days. I'm in control on the worst days. I can take the worst things and cause those to bring about good. Everything's not good. And everybody in this room could talk about something going on right now that's no good. We serve a God who can use those things. We serve a God who's in control. Even when life seems like it's out of control. God was in control when Joseph got thrown in that pit and sold into slavery left in prison. 
God was in control when the Assyrians and the Babylonians carried, carried away Israel and Judah in, into captivity. God was in control whenever Job's children died and all of his fortune was lost and, and his wife told him to curse God and die. God was in control whenever Jesus was nailed to the cross. Friends, if that's true, God's in control whenever you fill in the blank. Whenever I feel like I'm all alone. Whenever I feel like the world is spinning out of control. I don't know what God's doing, but I know He's doing something. If I'll allow Him, if, if I'll allow Him to be a, to, 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 for me to be a part of that, God's in control. And I need to be reminded of that. That's the relationship that I have. There's no charge that can stand against us. And then the crescendo in verse 35 when, when he says this, if all of this is true, all of this that we know about this relationship that's not based upon me, it's based upon God, this relationship that, that He has offered to me, this, this, this relationship that has delivered me from my own sin and from my own flesh, this relationship wherein He says, the Spirit is there and I am there and you are heirs and I am in control, Here's what I want you to know. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Who can take that away from you? You ever had something that you really loved or cherished taken away from you? Maybe a thing, maybe a position, maybe a time that it was just taken away from you. Who can take this away from you? Who can take your relationship with Jesus Christ? Who can take your, your assurance and an eternal salvation? Who can take that away from you? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or peril or sword? Will those things take away your faith? I know they'll threaten your faith, but can they take it away? And the answer is no. One of the most amazing things, and you read Hebrews chapter 11, and you see these great men of faith, these people who endured life. They endured life. Whatever that means to you, when tribulation comes, distress comes, persecution comes, famine comes, nakedness, peril, you name it. But I still have my relationship with God. You can't take that away from me. You can't. I can take you home away. And take your family away. Take your job away. Can take your lifestyle away. Can take can take your health away. Can take even your your meal away. All those things can be taken away from people. But no one can take away your relationship and the love of Christ. It's just as it is written, for they are for, it's just as, as it is written, for thy sake we are being put to death all day long. We are considered as sheep to be slaughtered. Life still goes on. And the preacher keeps preaching about faith. And the preacher preach, keeps saying, do not fear. And we keep living life every day. We're being put to death all day long. We're considered sheep as a slaughter. Look at what's happening in our lives. But in all these things... We overwhelmingly conquer through Him who loved us. For I'm convinced, brethren, that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers,
waters, nor height, nor depth, nor any other thing created shall be able to separate us from the love of God which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. That's where I'm going. That's what everything comes to. I want you to see what you got. And I want you to see there's nothing, not even an angel himself, nothing created, not life, not death, can separate you from the love of Christ. That's the invitation. That's it. That's the message. That's the gospel that we find to the church of Rome. That's the good news. Nothing can keep you from it. Do we get that? Do we need to be reminded of that? I know I do. I needed to be reminded of that this afternoon. I felt pretty good whenever I sat down and I read that because I needed to hear it. Because life was threatening. Life was pulling. And God was still there. And God was still in control. And I'm going to trust in Him. And I'm going to go to be with Him for all of eternity. Nothing can separate me from His love but me. Don't allow anything to come between you and your God. Don't allow anything to come between you and your God. He loves you. He gave His Son for you. He extends the invitation for you. He wants more than anything to bless you and to give you what you need. Not always what you want, but to give you what you need. Have you responded to Him? I know you're here tonight on a nasty night and a Sunday night, and so most of you probably got a pretty good relationship with Jesus. Okay? I know that. But I also know that you may be here tonight because you were needing something. Because you need that reassurance. Because you need that reminder. And you came here tonight looking for something. Well, friends, that's what we've got to offer. The Gospel of Jesus Christ. There's nothing better. If you have a need tonight, why don't you come as we stand and as we sing. Take control. 
control. Thank you for joining us tonight. We know it's one of our briefer services, but when you've got a text as powerful as that, uh, sometimes it's all you need to say. Have you found power in that word today? And you'll uh, take that as strength for this week. Um, if you weren't able to take the Lord's Supper uh, this morning, we have it prepared in a classroom to your left. Uh, and we'll sing this last verse of Faith is the Victory. We hope you'll travel safe tonight. And uh, in this last leg of winter, you'll, uh, you'll uh, well, maybe we'll get some snow. All right, let's sing together. To him that overcomes the foe, white raiment shall begin. Before the angels he shall know his name confessed in heaven. Then onward from the hills of light, our hearts with love aflame will vanquish all the host of night in Jesus' conquering name. Faith is the victory. Faith is the victory. that overcomes the world. Let's go to God in prayer. Father, we thank you for this time together and with you today. We hope pray that our worship has been pleasing and acceptable to you. Father, as we leave this place and go forward into our everyday lives, take us uh, Take us there safely. Keep us in your care with the, with the weather that is coming or appears to be coming. We know that many may be facing maybe not enough heat. Help us to open our eyes, Father, and see the needs around us. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.